I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. To explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Others lock up your sons. The fangirls are busting out all over. It's Fangirl Radio. Fangirl Radio. the fangirls on jackalope radio hi everybody and welcome to the latest episode of fangirl radio i'm your host jessica dwyer and with me tonight is the lovely rachel moore hi and also tonight uh the lovely ren willux hello and the equally lovely and dashing dare i say todd (gasps) i get to be dashing this week through the snow i want to be dashing little dd I was dashing through the streets to get here. <laughs> I'm dashing through the snow. That's it. Do you have a sleigh, Todd? Uh, hell, I, sleigh? I needed I needed one tonight. S L A Y. Ah, well, what uh, tonight's episode um, does not have to do with dashing through the snow, but it is going to be a special night because we have a special guest. Um, we're going to have Steve Niles on. Steve is known to many horror fans as the man who um, gave the fangs back to the vampires, thanks okay. to a little no- a little uh, graphic novel called 30 Days of Night. And uh, Steve is one of the, he pretty much, a lot of people consider him the reason horror comics kind of came back to the fore uh, of the comic world, um, thanks to 30 Days and just a lot of his work. He's done so much, um, including, uh, Todd probably knows this, uh, a lot of work in the world of Batman. Um, He created a whole new character in the Batman universe named Simon Dark who is very, very cool. Um, Criminal Macabre, he's done work with um, Rob Zombie. I mean, the man's just a one-man wrecking crew of ideas and imagination. And he's he's just great. And and he's getting ready to work on something, um, speaking of tales of the imagination, um, he's getting ready to work on a project with um, the great Jeffrey Combs, which is part of the reason why he's on the show tonight. which is to tie into uh, the, the next issue of Horror Hound, um, where we talk to Jeffrey Combs about his work on a one-man play called Nevermore. In that play, he plays Edgar Allan Poe. And he is working with Steve Niles on creating a comic book version of the play, which um, if you've not gotten to see Nevermore, it, it ended its run. Um, I think he did his final performance uh, a week or two ago, sadly, um, and uh, it's it's a it's a travesty that this is not on uh, off Broadway production. Everyone who is a horror fan and especially fans of Edgar Allan Poe needs to see this. Um, Jeffrey Combs basically is possessed of Poe, and it's it's an amazing thing to watch. There's some clips of it on YouTube, but it really is just brilliant. And he captures the essence of Poe in this in this production. Just the 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 drunken aspect, of course, the, the tragedy and the melancholy and, and just the brilliance of the man. Um, it's just a great thing to watch. And um, I can't wait to talk to Steve about it, to find out the details of what they're doing. Hello, hey. Mr. Niles. How you doing? Doing great. Thank you for being on. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Sure. I, I hope the internet doesn't go out while, while we're talking. Well, it it wouldn't be the first time that's happened to us on this show. But, <laughs> okay, but we'll, we'll we'll deal with it. We're not live, so that's a good thing. That's why we do this not live, so Mr. Todd can work his magic and make us sound plausible and 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 actually intelligent. Oh, good. 
Not enough magic in the world for me. But, um, Steve, I wanted to introduce you to the gang here. Todd, this is Steve Niles. I don't know if you two have met. I have met Steve here when he was doing convention in Kansas City many, many moons ago. Wow, that was a while ago. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, wait. The, the, you mean, the, was that the Mystery Society tour? Uh, that, that was a Planet Comic Con. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, that was a long time. <laughs> And uh, this is uh, Rachel and Wren. They're my co-hosts. Hi. Uh, Hello, Steve. Hello. Everybody good? Yes. Where are you guys guys calling from? Uh, We're actually all in the same city, but in separate houses. (laughs) And we're all in Eugene, Oregon. Well, you guys are. I'm in Kansas City. (laughs) Yeah, Todd's in Kansas City. That's right. He's the the wicked stepchild over there. All right. So we're all on the same coast then. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're well, except for Todd. Todd, I think it's like ten. Is it ten thirty your time? It is. Yeah, uh, okay. yeah. We'll try nine nine twenty three here. Nine twenty three. Okay. We'll try to keep you up too late. Uh, I'm up all night anyway, just like the vampires in your books. So it's okay. Oh, very good. Wah, wah. <laughs> there we go. So Steve, I I I'm gonna <laughs> crash right into this because Rachel had a question for you, and I I, I know you have some strong feelings about it, but we're we're gonna try and, and we're gonna talk about your work and 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 um, your career and things that you're done and and that you're doing right now, but we're definitely gonna talk about Poe, and um, I I we 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 were curious about your thoughts on um, the upcoming Raven movie. Yeah, um. Well, I mean, I'm disappointed because it's another movie where Poe turns into a detective instead of just telling his life story. Um, you know, it looks like they had the budget. They have a pretty good actor. They got everything except the, another stupid story where he becomes a detective. But how many books are there of that? How many, you know? Uh, it's not it, a new concept either. I mean, there's yeah. like Poe Must Die and um, just a, got a half a dozen others, too. Yeah, and then in books, there's just a gazillion of them. I mean, they did it to Dashiell Hammett, too, poor mm-hmm. guy. But, you know, um, it's one of the reasons why – are you guys familiar with the play Nevermore? That Jeffrey yes. Com- yeah, that Jeffrey Combs and uh, Stork Gordon are doing. Yep, um, very much. Well, I'm trying, to do, um, I'm trying to do a comic adaptation of that, and I really wish the Hollywood folks would pay attention to that play because, to me – that does for Poe what you know Amadeus did for Mozart. There is a oh, way wow. you can show their work and tell their life story and tell a fascinating you know a, a fascinating movie without resorting to fiction. It's yeah. it's brilliant. It's it's absolutely brilliant. I got to see it, and um, I I have to agree with you. It it really does a superb way of meshing the two together. Yeah, I mean that's you know I'm you know and now I'm just hoping I get a decent. Poe as a detective uh, movie, but I don't have any hopes of it being a good Poe movie. He's just, you know, he's just a character. It might as well be League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you know? Ugh. Without <laughs> having seen it, casting John Cusack, how, did, how does that feel for you? Because Jeffrey Combs, to me, sound, that, that really feels very organic. I mean, he's just... Yeah. well, and he can know. do the accent. Uh, he's right. not He's not going to do the accent, so I don't know. It might be good because a lot... I, I uh, What is it? I have at least one A and E biography where somebody tries to do the accent, and it sounds the entire thing sounds like it's Foghorn Leghorn. Narrative. <laughs> oh my god! I, I've heard that one. I've heard yeah. that one. It's so <laughs> distracting. You know, you're just laughing. You're just I waiting. I say, for, I say. Yeah. Waiting for, <laughs> I say Annabelle Lee. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if they're trying to avoid that. I've never heard Cusack do, uh, uh, you know, do that an sense. actual you know, accent before. So maybe they're just doing it so that we don't wind up with another uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, I, I can hope so. I, I, yeah. it, it sounded, it sounds a little British or wannabe British, but I've only seen the trailer. And so I don't know how to gauge it. My problem, my biggest problem with the movie is right now. Number one is the face hair. It's, it's, he'd never had a goatee. Yeah. I don't know. Why is he's he's Poe's evil twin? I know, I know. Yeah. So I just, you know, it, it, Poe has just it has a horrible track record with Hollywood, and it just seems to be continuing. You know, I guess we should all, you know, but we should all thank God that 
the Sylvester Stallone one never happened. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, well, Michael ja- remember Michael Jackson was supposed to do one too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my god! Yeah. So you know, um, I'm just hope one day somebody will do something along the line of, um, you know, of uh, of Nevermore. You know, because the work's done, the story, the play is fantastic. You know, so <laughs> just, you know. To me, I, I, I actually told Jeffrey this when I was talking to him about it. Uh, it, it the perfect person to, he needs to do this an, as an off Broadway show, and he really wants to. Uh, I would love at some point for Tim Burton to go, hey, I'm going to produce your off Broadway show of Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. I mean, right. that would be brilliant. But, that, just, that, produ- but just produce. Right, he right. Yeah. Or something, you know. He picked Poe Blonde. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so there was that horrible ABC TV series that was supposed to happen, and it didn't. Thank God, where he was a detective again, but they had the kid from Aragon playing him. Yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, you're trying to turn this into, you know, you, you said you were thinking about doing it into a comic series, and what are the challenges of taking? something like that and putting it into a comic, especially when it's been realized by someone like Jeffrey and the cast that they have. Are you looking at doing it as an adaptation of the play itself or kind of just going off the major themes that they carry? What I'm, what I'm trying to do, what I want to do and what I pitched, um, I wish people would not Skype me when I'm talking. (laughs) I'm telling everybody like, leave me alone, leave me alone. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I totally lost your question. Um, you know, what, what, what I'm trying to do with the story is I'm going to have one artist do just the framing device, which is one artist will do Poe in the theater and on stage and talking. And then every time he starts to recite or talk about, you know, another one of his, uh, his plays or poem or, or stories or poems, another artist will do it. Mm. So oh, it'll go off. Awesome. So somebody else will do the Telltale Heart. Uh, the only one I have secured is for the finale of the book. Bernie Wrightson is going to do The Raven. Ooh, wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> and right now we have Gabe Hardman doing the, um, doing the frame device. I don't know if you know his work, Gabriel, but he's, he's very good at doing likenesses. Um, so what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to sit him down with either Jeff or, uh, you know, I've got a DVD of the performance and, you know, we want to capture Jeff. We mm-hmm. definitely want to capture Jeff. He, right. he basically, he, he turns into him. I, every, you know, it just is creepy how much he looks like him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I've seen it three times, and I just love it. And then, you know, and then there's the whole nerd factor on the fact that, you know, I'm getting, I got to meet and hang out with Jeff Combs. You know, <laughs> it's too cool for words, you know. So, you know, so the whole project has been really fun. And I'm just, actually, they're waiting for me right now just to finish the script. So as soon as I finish the script. So you know. are, are, you, um, are you going off of what was done for the play or are you just like retailing it to the comic book form from the script from the play? I have a, I have a copy of the play uh, in its written form and I have a tape of it and then I'm adding stuff. You know, I wanted to come up with an intro, you know, showing, uh, you know, that it was a full, you know, what it's like for the people lining up outside and the neighbors and we don't realize, you know, but he's across the street drinking <laughs> because he's so nervous. So he sneaks in the backstage, you know, uh, you know, so I little, little, little touches like that, all of which I, I sat down with Stuart and Jeffrey and, you know, they approved of all the little, they, all the little additions. Cause now what we're going to see certain things you didn't see in the play. Uh-huh. You know, I want to see, you know, there's that great moment where you sort of, <laughs> obviously wrestling with the uh, stage manager. Um, you know, we'll see that now instead of, uh, you know, instead of it just being in our imaginations. So and, and the whole thing with Helen. Yeah. Um, yeah, we will have Helen. We will show her. We'll be able to show her expressions and, you know, how she reacts to what he's doing and her disappointment, you know, that, you know, I mean, Jeffrey does such a good job of conveying what's going on. But, it, you know, we're going to just add in little subtle bits so that we do see her sort of her embarrassment growing and the fact that she realized, you know, she's made a mistake. Oh, wow. And, so how long do you expect the series will be? I want to do it as one book. 
I want to do it oh, as okay. one. I don't know how many pages it'll be, but I think it'll be best if we just do it as one graphic novel. Great. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that'll be, and you can just do some great stuff with like the cover artwork and the binding and everything too. Exactly. Yeah, I just wanted, you know, I just want to do a nice job because, you know, like I said, every every other Poe thing just goes off the rails, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, mm-hmm. a, is at least just talks about him as a person and, uh, and, you know, and where he was in the literary community and his opinions of the literary community, which I just, you know, I, there's so much I love about the play. Um, but really, to me, it just gets across. You don't need to make up all this fiction, you know? Sure. I mean, we, we have the Sherlock Holmes movies, you know? We don't need to turn <laughs> O into that, you know? Well, and he has such happened? a... Oh, go ahead, Rach. I was just going to say, do you think that happens because he's considered the father of the detective novel? I mean, they just want to make him Batman, even though that I, wasn't honestly, his life. I, you know, I don't know. I have never been in a development meeting that things didn't go off the rails. Um, <laughs> I think it's just the nature of the beast. I really do. You know, uh, and it's going to be one of those things, you know, everybody's going to say it can't be done until somebody does it. Because believe me, nobody wanted to make a movie about Mozart, you know? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then look what, you know, they wound up making, you know, one of the most popular movies of all time, you know, yeah. out of, you know, about a story nobody wanted to see. Or, you know, nobody wanted to, and, and got Lost in a, a lot of his work, you know, so. Yeah, they really did. Yeah, so, yeah, I, you know, I don't know why, and I, I don't really know the, the, the origins of if this came from, an, uh, this new Poe thing came from a novel, or it's a, if it was a pitch or a spec uh, screenplay or what, uh, so I'm not really sure how it got started. Well, I, I wanted to say I thought it, originally they were going to do it based off of a of a comic of some kind somewhere, but I think it, that didn't really happen. I think it's just something that they they put together and decided to, with the popularity of the Sherlock Holmes movie, they kind of went with it. And yep. yeah, um, but well, I was gonna I, I was actually going to ask you, Steve, what kind of influence did Poe have on you as a as a writer? Um, all right. Well, I mean, you know, he got me to read some pretty difficult stuff pretty early in life. So that was, um, but my, my actual, my, my biggest memory of him actually was when I was a very, you know, when, when I was just first starting school, they would play us, uh, I'm pretty sure they were 45s. And it was, I think it was Vincent Price reading, or it may have been Basil Rathbone reading The Telltale Heart. And oh, yeah. was hearing that, you know, read to me as a kid in class that made me go read the books. And, you know, I mean, what's not to love? I mean, as, a, as a, somebody who loves genre, what's not to love? You know, the guy mm-hmm. was just, you know, I mean, I, I definitely, I, you know, everybody always says there's the two camps, the H.P. Lovecraft or the Poe camp. I'm definitely <laughs> the Poe camp. I think it's funny that Jeffries played both. I do, too. I- I think that's great, and you know, it was I, I. I was thinking, you know, they've never written something where the two of these guys meet, because there's a great story there somewhere. These two, these two writers, delve into some of the most darkest and twisted areas of the human soul, and they never met, or and they were they were uh, years apart. Me and but, so, Joe, me, do you know Joe Harris? He uh-uh. did a he did a Lovecraft graphic novel for Vertigo. He and I were going to oh, do yeah, yeah, yeah. We were going to do Poe versus Lovecraft, and we got it far enough that we got an artist to do like an old timey boxing poster. <laughs> nice. And, off and they're like standing nice. of each other, but that's as far as we got. You know, because of course nobody wanted to buy it. You know, they're like, yeah, great. That's really yeah, because literary figures are huge in comics. So <sighs> that went anywhere, but I wanted to too because I'm kinda, always. I kind of want that poster. I know. Right? Steve, you, you gotta go to T Fury with that or something. Go on a shirt sign. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll dig it out and find it because it, it was really funny, you know, when we did it. That's awesome. Yeah, but, you know, but, uh, you know, I'd say, uh, you know, Poe had a huge, you know, uh, influence on me, but, you know, uh, nobody had a bigger influence on me than Richard Matheson. That's the. Oh, he's, he's the man. He's my guy. I know. He got me to read, let alone just, you know, because my parents couldn't get me to read anything but creepy and eerie in comic books. And I just ref- I was bored out of my skull reading Huckleberry Finn. 
I, I yeah. got and Tom Sawyer, and it's like, so what? They painted the fence. Who cares? And I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I got my hands on a copy of I Am Legend, and every other book, it took me months to read, and I read that in one night. Right. So I, I have to ask, being a Madison fan, which uh, which film do you think captured that the best? Because I know it won't be the, the Will best? Smith one. Yeah. Well, the best was probably Last Man on Earth, but yep. not, none of until they filmed that ending, they have not made I Am Legend. Right. Yes. And that's I it. Agree. That's just it. I, yep. You know, they should have called the new one Hebe Legend or something because he wasn't. <laughs> you know, it was so ridiculous. It was just, you know, and I know that ending is a hard fact to face, you know, and I think that's, that's the whole point. I know. Nobody has the balls. You got it. You because gotta do it. I mean, forever because we're so great. <laughs> you know? Have you it's seen the Have you seen the original ending? For, yeah. Have you seen the original funny. ending for Twenty Eight Days Later? Yeah. The original. I mean, the way it should have ended, where Jet, where Jim dies. That yes. is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen put to film. Absolutely heartbreaking, and it should have ended that way. As much as I love Jim, but no, yeah. he should. He needed to die. <laughs> it, it has to be that way. Sometimes they just. Oh. The you got to break an audience's heart sometimes. Yeah. The whole point, you know, I, I assume, you know, okay, big spoiler coming up if you haven't read I Am Legend. But <laughs> it, unless you address that, oh, my God, I'm the monster. I'm the boogeyman who's sneaking around in the daylight killing people's children and, and mothers and, and daughters. Until you can have that ending, it's not I Am Legend. Mm-hmm. It's just, and that's it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's yeah. been... You know, you know, basically, you know, what uh, Heston had to get, you know, have the, uh, you know, had to have the the serum, and <laughs> Smith. You know, that, that was just that was such a disappointment. I actually, if, I wish they would have just called that Last Man on Earth, because then well, I wouldn't have had a complaint in the world. Right. I would have liked for them to actually have them be vampires, because I think Last Man on Earth is really the only one that really captured that in a way. Yeah. Well, you and, know what I, what I always say, and it's very sarcastic, I mean, it's semi-sarcastic, but it's also historically true. The best adaptation of I Am Legend is Night of the Living Dead. You got it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah because yeah. That's, what Mathis, that's what Romero wanted to make, but they couldn't, you know, the vampires would require so many actors and all this stuff they couldn't do with the cities and the dumps, so they kept rewriting it, rewriting it, rewriting it until they wound up with this zombie story. But if the spirit of it is I Am Legend. Yeah, because he, you know, the and the message there is great too. I mean, it, it's, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's brilliant. Yeah. Um, well, Steve, I wanted to ask you too about, you have, um, you have a, a movement that you've pretty much started um, the creator-owned movement, and I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that and and the things that you have going on with it. Well, I I, I definitely haven't started it. Uh, you know, I, it this creator-owned comics have existed, you know, long, you know, long before I was ever writing comics. But it's it's what I consider the most vital part of of the future of comics because we've had seventy years of superheroes. And they have their place, and they have their audience, and they you know they have their movies and all that. But can you imagine if you walked into a bookstore and all you could get were superhero books, or you know that would be the only movies? And I think comics, you know, someday I think comics should reflect the full range of possibilities. And really, the only place you can find, you know. All these are, you know, horror and Western and romance and, you know, and day in the life, uh, you know, biographies, everything like this in comic form is in creator owned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and the best part of the creator owned thing is we own it. You know, we're not just working for a work for hire check that we, you know, you know, because if I, anything I write for DC, if I create a character or anything like that, it's, you know, and when I sign the contract and I'm well aware of this, they have the rights to everything I do. Right. And, right. you know, that's been common practice for a really long time. And, you know, the one thing that I've done since the beginning of my career is I own everything, pretty much everything I've ever done. And I share it with my artists. And really, you know, what it's about is just trying to build our, our you know, our own industry, you know, right beside, you know, 
the superhero comics, but at the same time, you know, giving us control because you know a lot of the a lot of comic stores just don't carry the stuff. So we have to, you know, we have to learn how to get out there and sell it ourselves. And you know, one of the things we did, I've teamed up with Scott Morris and a bunch of other really great people. And we actually had our own creator-owned convention uh, at San Diego called Trickster. Yep, and it was a huge success. And you know, t- I mean, time and again, it just you know, it, it, I'm seeing proof that people want more comics. You know, like you know, more creator-owned comics. And I'm just trying to, you know, I guess you know, the hard part is I'm out there telling people basically you have to do it yourself. And you know, that's never a very you know, pleasant thing to hear, you know, as opposed to, I'm going to get a job at Marvel and I'll be fine forever, you know. Like, oh, no, you won't. No, no yeah. you won't. You got to have to be a salesman, you know. I, I've come to, you know, I'm 46 and I still got to, I'm going to wind up selling comic books by the roadside, you know, just to, just to keep it going. But I think it's really important for the, for the industry and, and for, the, for the genre, you know, for the medium that you know, we we create as many different kinds of of comics as we can, and we control, and the creators control them. Well, it it keeps from happening in the comic industry. What's happening in Hollywood right now, where the no one can make interesting movies. I mean, it's very rare that one gets past the gauntlet, you know. Yeah. And um, to to be able to bypass that and say, screw you, I'm going to make what I know is good. Is yeah. is such a powerful thing, and as a comic collector, you know that that's what we go out and look for, and yeah. so it's so neat to see it kind of because, it, like you said, it's been there for a long time, but yeah. to gain some precedence, I think, is so key to the survival of comics itself. Well, yeah. it's kind of like your indie filmmakers, like at, at conventions, you will find people um, that have their own little booth that they've paid for, and they've printed up their own DVDs to yeah. to get out there. Yep, and that's what you got to do. I mean, that's I started out self-publishing in '85, um, you know, and that's what got me in the industry. And yeah, it is much more difficult. We have to, you know, we we basically all have to become, you know, kind of business savvy. But you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, right now everything is under corporate control. I mean, literally everything, and that means everything's being controlled by marketing, and that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all we're seeing the same kinds of movies over and over again because nobody's using their brains. They're looking at market sheets and they're saying like, "Wow, everybody really likes explosions and robots." So, yeah. we're just or if get- there's a weird idea that's just got too much risk in it, doesn't happen. Or if you know, and here's the thing: I'll tell you exactly what happened with my agent last week. Actually, I, I wrote a new pitch, and I'm always struggling with the Hollywood people because I want to do comics first because then. At least I get that done. At least I get it mm-hmm. done my way once. Because I know once it gets handed over, it's not going to happen. And I just wrote this new thing that has a very grim ending. Has a really grim ending. And, I, and, I, and he was, didn't understand why I wouldn't go pitch it. And I just said, because the ending will never make it to the screen. Ever. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing. And that's another thing. With, and that's specifically American movies. You, you know, everything has to be a happy ending. And yeah. everything has to be over-explained. Uh, you know, I, 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 I hate movies that I, uh, I watch sometimes just treat me like I'm a freaking idiot. They pander <laughs> yeah. and it sucks. I hate pandering. It's like, okay, you focused on the bandsaw. I know somebody. <laughs> <laughs> you kept the, the menacing music that that passed by as you you the camera went by the bandsaw tells me that yes they even did it in I hate it when I hate it when they have a character describe an action that just happened I oh, saw yeah. something happen and then this and then they go to a person and the person says wow blah blah blah, blah. I'm like yeah I know I just saw it I know it's like <laughs> I know it's like bang 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 Bill's dead. <laughs> <laughs> When something you love, like 30 Days of Night, that you've created and you've you know gone through all this process, when that goes to the big screen, how does that work for you to see what happens with it and you know how much input you get? Well, mostly I lucked out. I mean, I really consider myself lucky, you know, because of David Slade and because of Sam Raimi. 
And really, you know, what I wanted, you know, because they, you know, you, you, you have a very short list of demands that you can get when you go in the door. And really all I said was I wanted a good horror movie and more than anything, I want a scary vampire movie. So the changes they made, the biggest change, I don't know if you know the difference between the comic and the movie, but in the comic, it's a younger group of vampires that comes in and, and does the initial attack. And, and then halfway through the story, the elder vampires come in going like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, it's like, do you think we didn't know this place existed? You know, and the whole theme being vampires know to hide behind their myth. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they hide behind it. And it's sort of in the comic, it's this false moment of hope where Evan and all the survivors see this fight happening. And they're like, oh, my God, great. We're going to be <laughs> saved. And then that's when they go kill them all, burn the town down. So the studio would not let us have two villains because that's essentially what it was. And, you know, and that's a, that is purely a case of, because that will confuse the audience is what they told me. not trusting the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I think, I I think they'll get it, you know? Um, (laughs) So, so we lost that. But other than that, I was, I was pretty happy with it. You know, I think we got a good, good, scary vampire movie out of it, you know, so, so I'm very happy. But it did have one of those moments I was talking about when they, when they all go in uh, to that room with the, uh, that, that, that crunching thing, where (laughs) as soon as I I saw that, you know, I was just like, all right, somebody's going in that, you know. (laughs) Right. Somebody's going in that. But those are hard but mostly, you know, I mean, 30 Days a Night was a really, really pleasant experience for me. It took a long time. But, uh, you know, like, Raimi learned from Spider-Man that accuracy was very important. And staying true to the source material meant a lot to the fans. So he knew that coming in. And Slade was a fan of the comic. And he just and he wanted to make the comic. So really, you know, we uh, and then, you know, the language, uh, the vampire language came out of so much of getting movies made is compromise. Half the producers didn't want them to talk at all. And I kept saying, well, then that then we're making a zombie movie, you know, uh, really fast and sharp toothed zombies. Yeah. What makes vampires scary is they're intelligent. Right. And um, yeah. and so the compromise was giving them the language, even though the little girl actually speaks English. But that was the compromise on that. So, you know, it's a sort of give and take, give and take. But I think in the end, you know, like I said, you know, I'm happy with it, you know. I thought Danny Houston and, and those guys, the, the cast was amazing for the, that were playing the vampires. Everybody involved was just... Ben Foster, I thought, stole the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was creepy. He was creepier than the vampires. And he was the one that, because in the comic book, the stranger is this big, brutal, you know, like you just mm-hmm. do not want to yeah. mess with them. And having Ben do the same <laughs> performance, when he's got, I think he's a foot shorter than, than Josh Hartnett... I thought that was even scarier, you know, that this little guy would just be so nasty. So, yeah, you know, so overall, I mean, you know, I was very happy with it. And, uh, you know, even though it didn't hit the, uh, I think it made 80 million or something and 100 million makes it a a smash hit or something. But, you know, I think the studio wanted a number one movie that week. So that, you know, there's so many layers of decisions that go into these things. Well, for yeah. an R-rated horror film that to make that much, that's amazing in this day and time anymore. Yeah. Well, and I think it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, as a as a comic book collector and a comic book fan, when I go to a movie that I know is based off a comic that I've loved and I've read, it's important to me that it feels the same, you know, yeah. and it has that kind of resonance to it. And I thought the movie was really great at that. But I yeah. think part of the problem was this, the, if there was a problem, of just having the awareness first of the comic cross-genre and then of the movie cross-genre. And so I think it's, it's one of those cases where the fans of this comic, we just were over the moon, you know, yeah. waiting yeah. for it with bated breath were there, you know. Yeah, and you know, and Slade really did go to great lengths to because he was equally a fan of Ben Temple's Mizar. And, I mean, there are shots right out of the comic in there. 
Um, I know. Yeah, I geeked. Yeah. I geeked out at those. I geeked out very hardcore. At those. <laughs> yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. We all did. Hey, I'll well, bet I, you one thing. So, I can give you a little piece of trivia that I bet none of you can answer. Uh oh. Do you know where my? I have a cameo in there. Do you get eaten? Nope. <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a very sneaky cameo. When Are you a body? Now, I'll tell you, I, I didn't even go yes, to New Zealand. You just have to rewatch now. I, I couldn't go to New Zealand. So uh, when they're um, when they're hiding in the attic, mm-hmm. there's a portrait leaning on the back wall. Um, uh, uh, I don't have my, I don't have my glasses on, so you, it, you know it, it, oh. it looks like a portrait of Woody Allen in the background. <laughs> uh, but it, look, the, the portrait in the background is me. That's hilarious. Cool. Yeah. Now I got to go back and watch it again. <laughs> and that's my kind of cameo because I don't leave the house much. So I was like, you know, I didn't have to fly to New Zealand. And, you know, so that was great. You know, and actually <laughs> they did Dark Days and they wanted a, when they did, they did a deep straight to DVD uh, sequel. Yeah, Dark and, Days. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, so my, my cameo in that is uh, Kelly Jones drew a picture of me as a vampire and they made a T-shirt of it and somebody in the audience is wearing it. In that, uh, nice. that's hilarious. Yeah, that is the best kind of cameo. That's way yeah. better than the lazy. I mean, as much as as much as I love 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 Lord of the Rings, having to watch all of a sudden be drawn completely out of the story because I can see Peter Jackson, Stephen, uh, not Steve Tyler, what's his name? You know, the head of Weta yeah. and the other producer guy standing next to each other oh, on Rich, the pilot yeah, boat, and I go, Richard Taylor, yeah, and I suddenly go, hang on, it's them. Oh. Yeah. I, mean, I love them. So, I love those men. I love those every, men. But damn it, with every Stan Lee. I mean, Stan Lee is in every single Marvel movie now, and every okay, single. Okay, but time. I love Stan Lee. I love I Stan love Lee. Like I love a childhood teddy you know what the bear. Better, the better equation there is uh, M Night. M Night yeah. and his ostentatious cameos. That's. Yeah. that's I mean, trying to act. Even some of the you know Hitchcock, who kind of started it, his became distracting after a while. Yeah. Because yeah. it became like, you know... It, it came a game where you have to find Hitchcock. Hitchcock. And I mean, it's the same thing, you know, Raimi puts his old... That old car from Evil Dead is in mm-hmm. every single one of his movies. Yeah. That's way better. I way prefer yeah. that. Because I wouldn't... Except- I, you know, I... I could miss it the first time I see the film because I'm engrossed in the film. And then the second time I watch it, I'll look for the car. Yeah, but now my question is, and he won't answer this. He always just snickers. Is it in Quick and the Dead? In oh, any- good point. You've just spawned some frame-by-frame frame all night geek action. <laughs> he <laughs> used the frame of the car as the clock tower. That's <laughs> Um, going through Spartacus blood and sand with like the stop motion on the mode it's going to be (laughs) all over you know but it was so funny because it was actually Sam's um, when he did uh, A Simple Plan Mm -hmm. um, and that was shot in real snow Mm -hmm. so that was the first thing he told me he goes and we are not shooting this in real snow (laughs) (laughs) and I was like what I didn't understand he's like it is the you have no idea what a pain in the ass it is because once (laughs) It and not make it look undisturbed, you know. No, so, oh no. so not that, like sand. Yeah, that was really funny. I thought. Oh my god! Well, I do have. I, I have another question for you, Steve, and and this is because I, it, now is Remain still coming out this month on it, Chiller? It is, yeah, it, it premiered. They had a little theater premiere uh, a couple nights ago, and then it's next Friday at ten o'clock. Perfect. So uh, how how did that go for you? Because like you were saying, you, you kind of are leery of certain things, um, what people do with your work. Um, how did that experience go? And can we expect Pieces for Mom anywhere in the future to be like a short or something like a um, film? I'll tell you what. I basically have given that to David Slade because he wants to make so- a short or something out of it someday. Oh God, that would be awesome! Yeah, and yeah, that's, and you, and when and when Slade asks for something, you just say yes. You know, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, his last name's Slade. That's badass, anyway. I, you know, it's like, I will wait ten years or whatever I have to for that. And the thing with remains was, you know, they approached me, and I mean, you know, it's Chiller who owns, you know, and basically it was explained to me they want to start doing TV movies like, you know, the like the sci-fi ones, except for horror. And um, good. You know, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and you know, honestly, I got really excited because 
you know, I grew up on Dan Curtis. Um, I grew up on Richard Matheson's ABC Movies of the Week, and uh, I had I love TV movies, you know. So I got really excited about it, and you know, it's super low budget, and the guys really impressed me. You know, the guys at Synthetic Cinema, you know, they've already made like five or six, you know, not sort of straight to DVD horror. They were really enthusiastic. Um, so I basically, what my thing was on that was I just said, go. I was like, go nuts. Send me the script, you know, and every once in a while. Let me see where it's at because we had to change a lot because of the budget. Um, as far as some of the, you know, the, the biker scene, you know, no way we could afford to film that. <laughs> so, so there are things moved around, um, but I felt really good about going with it for a lo- on a low budget because it's not a dead serious story. You know, the story kind of winks at the audience. It plays with a lot of the zombie myths, and there's there's some outright silly things in there. In in you know, case in point, the lead character is a fucking idiot. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I mean, our, our no. By the way, by the way, we can we can cuss now because I asked Todd, and we're on Savage Saturdays for some reason, which means <laughs> we we can cuss up a storm, and it's all right. So You've go been good this Seriously? whole time. Apparently, oh, man. Now, this Shit. morning I had to do up like Shit. these like round robin, yeah, these round robin press conferences for remains, uh-huh. and I have to watch my language. So I was just. Mm. That just flew out. Well, fuck it but, now. You can talk whatever you want now. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, that's the thing about remains is it's a little, you know, if I, if somebody told me where, you know, what I would compare it to, you know, I would, you know, it's it's more along the lines with the, like Return of the Living Dead, and not not nearly as over the top, but um, you know, and, and, you know, so we've mixed the scares with a little comedy. You know, so because you know, I I knew with our budget we would you know we couldn't do Walking Dead. We just couldn't. So I've seen it, and I'm really happy with it. Now I just want to see you know what other people think, because you know it's very odd seeing your stuff filmed. You know, because you know there's always a part of you that likes it because it's yours. So I I don't feel like I can ever really see things objectively, but the reaction I'm getting from people. you know, had a couple of reviews talking about that it was, they were laughing at it because it was so low budget. But uh, <laughs> most people just seem to think it's, you know, really bloody and gory and fun. And it's fun. And that's what I, I really want people to come away, you know, with it. That's awesome. Well, and my a question for you on that one, because you brought up Dan Curtis and, and he's like my, my, one of my pantheon of gods of horror yeah. um, forever. Um, is would you be interested because you're so good you're you're so good at doing these short stories t- as well like with with pieces of mom ever doing something like a dead of night or a um a trilogy of terror type of thing for that for the network for chiller if they ever asked you um did you read edge of doom <laughs> i uh, no. the last i i did i did a, a a kind of anthology comic called edge of doom mm-hmm. did you guys read it anybody Anybody? No, I, have, I haven't. I, yeah. haven't. I couldn't even Bad. find it. We're, Let me just. Yeah, put, I couldn't I find it either. I, you know, I can't say anything right now, but that is my dream to give me. You know, uh, I would say you know more of a framework of an outer limits, where uh, every you, you know every episode is a, an hour long self contained horror movie. Ooh, um, I'm I'm I'm. Let's just say I'm working on it. I, Ooh. Not not. I have nobody saying yes to me yet. I have, uh, but I have people listening to me. That's a. Very- I was just, I was just saying to somebody the other day that I, I miss that. I mean, they've done Twilight Zone a, you know, a gajillion times, but I don't feel like it's been, been done too much, and I miss it. I miss a, I- a, a weekly episodic, you know, individual stories of, of scary. I like yeah, that. I want it back. Well, one of the things that I've been saying. Well, one thing is, uh, you know. Every single anthology show that's ever been made is run constantly in syndication. So somebody likes it. Absolutely. Stuff. Absolutely. Uh, well, Twilight so, Zone has their massive marathon like every, yeah. what is it, Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. And, and plus mm-hmm. X-Files was one of the most cleverly hidden anthology shows of all time. Yeah. Absolutely. If, if, absolutely. If, if, 
if it wasn't the UFO conspiracy, which was the series, it was a yeah. monster yeah. of the week. It was a monster yeah. of the week show. And I mean, I don't. I, one of my favorite episodes of all time was called Home. Oh, oh my that god! Got showed once, oh, and then they yeah. pulled it. <laughs> yeah, they did exactly. not. And I was like, that's a perfect example. You know, you didn't have to know anything. You just come in and that's like a little mini movie, you you know. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I've been using that as an example. And I am working on this right now. And I've been doing. I think the time is ripe. I think the time is, if not ripe, it's near ripe. It's well, There needs to be something like that on TV again. Well, I've been, you know, gathering a lot of material. I have, an, uh, I have a series I'm doing with Scott Morse called Crime and Terror. And mm-hmm. we, it's, we already have 120 pages of short stories, and they're all Sweet. in this vein. And then I did Edge of Doom, which was a collection of short stories. And then I've been doing this whole series of you know, three-issue short stories with Bernie Wrightson. So I'm, I have an arsenal you know, to go in <laughs> to the nice. studio with. So I'm, that's one of the things. You know, that's my, my next dream. You know, is if well, I, could- I, I would love so, to see you if if they do this Night Stalker movie, oh. I would I would love for you to write something or somehow get you to do the script for it. I tried. Me and Jay Russell tried to go after the rights. Um, we, we we were trying to get them through Jeff Rice. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The you know, Jeff actually writer. wrote the original mm-hmm. thing, but uh, it's it's I think it's all tied up with AB. It's ABC, right? Well, I think Johnny Depp may have bought him because yeah. he's yeah, wanting to right. produce it. He's wanting well, to produce it, so I think Infinium Nell got it. If any, you know Johnny Depp, tell him to call me because I could practically recite <laughs> the you know the Night Stalker movies. You know, he, I, Carl just has a little like ritual she does, and somehow the universe works it out so casting happens exactly. The Dark Shadows movie happened because I had it in my brain that Johnny Depp <laughs> needed to play a vampire at some point, and. I mean, believe me, there's there's a little bit of Carl Kolshak in Cal McDonald. You know? Oh yeah, I know, I know. You know just that you will never win. I, you know that <laughs> no matter what you do, you will never win. I, I just there's something about that uh, that I just love. You know, who, that just you knew he was going to get fired at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you cast as Carl Kolchak out of like the actors we have now? Because Darren McGavin forever is going to be Carl, but who would it be? Not a kid, I'll tell you that much. No, hell no, and not Stuart Townsend. Whatever. Put some character in their face. You know, I'm really bad at the casting thing. I'd have to look at some pictures and decide and think about it. But you know, not somebody hot, young, and handsome. I mean, that was the best thing about. You know, Carl Kolchak was, I didn't know, how did he get those girlfriends exactly? (laughs) Well, I posted a picture on my Facebook page that kind of, anyway. Yeah, but I'd like, you know, somebody just with a little, you know, a a, a younger Tom Wilkinson, you know, somebody. Oh, yeah. Now, who played, who played uh, uh, Caesar on Rome? Oh, the blonde guy. No, not Caesar. Dark haired guy. No, I was at uh, James. Yeah, just you know, a real actor. Uh, just somebody. yeah. Actually, I was thinking. I was always going for Gary Oldman. Gary Old. Oh, Gary Oldman can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. Gary Oldman could be Meryl Streep. He's just. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, yeah. That's that's one I would just love to get my hands on. So. I have to ask because um, we were talking earlier about you know um, artist controlled comics. Failing networks, what do you think about this web series movement and the potential for writers who do cross-genre um, pieces? Uh, I've been pretty vocal about all this stuff. I really think right now, you know, especially, you know, anybody who lives in any online community, especially in the, you know, in, in the genres, you know, we, we are a population of chicken littles. And no matter what new thing comes along, whether it's changing Superman's cape or a new technology, everybody freaks out <laughs> before we think about it. And I'm trying to just, we don't know yet. And I think right. as far as entertainment is concerned, as far as finding audiences to read or to watch what we're doing, we have to try everything right now. And we'll see what sticks. Because, you know, we don't know. We don't know anymore. And that's why I'm not, like, anti-digital comics or really pro-digital comics. Right. You know, um, you know or I, I've done web series. 
Um, and 30 Days got, had one. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we got massive hits on those things. Mm-hmm. People, and But it's, it's a weird psychological thing, though. On the web, people love them. When they got collected onto a DVD, everybody right. hated it. Yeah, it was just, it didn't right. translate. So, you know, so we've got to figure out, now there's all these little nuances for all these different ways to tell stories and, and, and sell people stories, and, um, and we're, uh, we're going to have to try them all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to wait and see, and I'm, and I'm going to try everything if I, if I can. And I, because I want to make an anthology... I've said that I, you know, I'm interested in talking to some, I, that I am going to go in and talk to some of these um, web companies that are going to be looking for content because if they'll give me the budgets that a TV studio, you know, a, a TV network won't and the, and the creative freedom to do it, let's go. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a very interesting time right now, and that's another thing of why I push the creator-owned you know, DIY attitude is because mm-hmm. we really are at a, at a point in history with technology and all these new things available to us. There's a lot more we can do on our own. Well, there's mm-hmm. so many of these like, um, online startups. like uh, What they're doing right now, I don't know if you ever saw Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yes. Um, great, great movie. They're great. trying to get together and fund the sequel using fans to help pay for the film. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, I think Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, thanks. Um, but, and that's one thing, too, I've noticed a lot. Like, even programming. There's a, uh, there's a really neat app that they're trying to make for the iPhone that is an uh, exercise program that you hear you're given um, assignments to run supplies during a zombie apocalypse. And you put your headphones on and you're running. Yeah. And you listen to all this stuff going on. And they're funding that via a Kickstarter. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, such a, it's a great time, but it's also a really uncertain one because you don't want to put all your eggs in. Yeah. You don't want to put your eggs in one basket. Well, because nobody knows how to get it to be, how to reach people. That's right. the biggest mm-hmm. thing, you know, I mean, cause slapping it up on the internet doesn't necessarily mean people are going to watch it, you know? Right. And that's the thing people are having with digital comics now, just sticking them on. I, I, you know, on iTunes doesn't mean people are suddenly going like, oh, there are my comics. You know, it's, yeah. you still have to get them into the comics. So, right. Yeah, I'm lot. one of those people that has to smell the paper. Oh, me too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to hold, you know, hold things in my hands. I like books. I like paper. I like all that. Um, and I'm just, I'm of a mind that it's just, it's not going to go away because of the, you know, because of the love of it. Um, you know, it's not like we're trying to replace something that's annoying us, you know, like, <laughs> like eight track tapes, you know, or real yeah. reels. you know, those were all like, oh, we upgraded, you know, we upgrade to convenience, you know, but, uh, you know, it's not like we have a paper shortage, uh, you know, although things are changing in the paper industry now and that is becoming sure. Right. Um, but we've just got to figure this out and roll with it. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm seeing the best thing with digital and print is where they work hand in hand. And I mm-hmm. love it when, you know, when I hear people, they will get the single, get one issue of like, say, one of my of Criminal Macabre from Dark Horse. And they get number one and then they go by the trade. Right. You know, right. and that I love. Um, you know, I have the whole thing too, is I've just, you know, maybe it's my age. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm already staring at my computer all day. And then when I take a break, I'll go watch some TV. Like hell, I want to stick my face in another screen. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Yeah. And really do when I, you know, but right now my iPad is so great for whenever I'm getting, you know, my uh, publishers send me, um, approval PDFs of comics. Um, I, 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 it's all on my iPad because it's so convenient to just flip and I can enlarge and look at things and it's, I like it as a work thing, uh, but so far not for reading. Well, I, I, I think I, it's I great because for me, I have to have every issue. I'm that guy, you know, and yeah. I like the stacks behind my bed, bed and I yeah. like, you know, boxing or bagging them and boarding them. But if I'm on an airplane, I'm not taking my first run comics, you know, <laughs> I'm throwing them all on my e-reader. Exactly. And so I think it's a great, it's a great, um, 
opportunity because the collectors are still going to buy. You know, I really think that. I mean, people will weren't running around losing their minds when cassettes, recordable cassettes, came out. Well, yes, they were, um, <laughs> but it, it, it solved that exact problem um, that you're talking about. Because you, you know, when you went on a trip, you couldn't take all your vinyl with you, right? You know, so yeah. you put everything on a tape. So yeah, I think, and I think that's where most of the confusion is. Is everything is so polarized now? It has to be either or, right. instead of like, how do these things? It's like. You know, I think CG. Well, do you think? Do you think what? comics might do what what the DVD sales are doing lately, which is you buy a DVD and you get a digital copy as well, so you get your your physical disc and you get your computer viewable. I, like, I mean, could comics I, could I, comics I, do the I, same, where you buy a physical book and coming along with it is a digital copy? I think that's a fine idea. I think that's a great idea, and I think you know that's one of the things. Uh, you know, that's happening now is, you know, this sort of this battle between with a lot of retailers feeling like, you know, digital is all about putting them out of business. And, you know, something like that might might solve that problem. You know, the mm-hmm. biggest problem with comic sales, though, isn't digital or print. It's uh, it's Americans' attitudes about comics. Yeah. No, yeah. they don't know what, you know, they, they think that they're only for, you know, uh, you know, they're little boys escapist fantasies. And there's a yeah. lot more to them, and you know this is this is a thing we have done to ourselves because every other country in the world doesn't frown upon comics the way they are mm-hmm. here. No, Europe, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah. how it they they you know like with Dylan Dog that yeah. was released in the states. No one knew what the hell it was. It's like the biggest selling comic yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like you know it's words and pictures, people. It's not that radical thing, but we have convinced them. That when you say the word comic books, it's either Spider-Man or the Peanut, you know, or Peanuts, and nothing yeah. else. I mean, you know, it's the funny pages, it's little kid stuff, it's you know, or well, you know, or, um, when we started, I remember because especially being female, it's kind of an interesting perspective because it used to be you walked into a comic book store and nobody knew why you were there, and then yeah. it became <laughs> like you walk into a comic store and they're going the manga's over there, and you're like, I'm here yeah. for Sandman, leave me alone, you know, oh, and God. then <laughs> now you're going there and it's I, you know, there's a lot more women buying comics, there's a lot more older people buying comics. And so I, I, I'm hoping that those are signs that we're about to get a really nice big shift. I mean, we've I seen little bits of it with the, with the movies coming out, but it's not the same as true yeah, readers. Yeah, it, it's know. definitely happening slowly. And one of, the, one of the most heartening things that I saw happen in the last year was um, a group of women I know uh, did a Kickstarter for a book called Womanthology. And they just yep. want to do a comic book collection of nothing but comics you know, uh, by women writers and artists and that's it. And then they were going to do a theme each issue and this and that. And the girl who did it, uh, called me and asked, and I remember she said to me, she goes, we're going to go after $10,000. And I was like, wow, really? That might be a little, you know, I thought that was a little much. They raised over a hundred thousand dollars. Holy crap. On Kickstarter. And that is to me, that is people screaming at the top of their lungs that we want comics like this. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it wasn't it was there. There wasn't even they were just saying these are going to be comics by these creators doing. You know, there was nothing. It wasn't superheroes. It wasn't even one thing. And over a hundred thousand dollars, people donated. You know, and voting with their dollars. Amazing. Yeah, that is. Who, who was that, by the way? Who was that? Do you uh, know the name they, of the girl. Uh, Renee Delitz is the one. Oh, okay. Who for a second, I thought I knew. For a second, I thought I knew that person, but someone else. Well, there's a whole team of them, but Renee is uh, was the one who s- started it uh, and started talking to me at first, and um, you know, and I just see things like that happening more and more. You know, uh, I think people want this stuff, and I, I had that experience when Thirty Days a Night came out. I would hand Thirty Days a Night to people. You know, because I, I had a lot of friends that did not read comics, and they would always say, "Like, I didn't know comics looked like this." You know, yeah. you know. They look, it looks like art. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> and you know, and luckily, you know, we have a lot. You know, I mean, you, Sandman. Thank God for Sandman. Sandman right. You know, Neil got more. You know, new readers in comics that have stuck around. You know, and we need more stuff like that. You know, and 
I you know I I don't I don't know if uh, if they would hire Neil to do Sandman in the current atmosphere. I you know or Black Orchid. Yeah. <laughs> you know that that to me yeah. or killing joke or <laughs> oh yeah know, kill i don't know though that last batman the first issue of that new batman run the last shot just floored me that they did with the the joker's face yeah yeah well that's that was- killing joke was a clever i mean it was brutal but it was no brutal. yeah god it was it was yeah yeah i mean that's shock but i yeah i wonder would i the dark knight uh, would that get greenlit today? I don't think so. Well, and, I, and, and it kind of goes back to that underestimating your audience. I just saw um, Neil and Amanda in a concert recently. Oh, and yeah. sat, sat in a room full of people while he read a half an hour short story. And just everybody's breathless, you know. And that's something that nobody could have, you know, nobody would have funded. Nobody ever would have pitched. But Kickstarter, they, you know, had a crazy... Yeah response and sat there in a, just a dead silent wrapped audience while he read a short story for half an hour you know and so it's a, there's a game changer that's happening right now that's uh, really I think exciting yeah. and that's it and you know what that's what's and there and this is a really positive thing and Neil is a big part of this and it's a big reason why I'm so outspoken there's there is a real sense of community coming out mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm engaged to uh, her name is Monica Richards oh yeah uh, I've known her since I was 19. Um, she was in a band called Faith in the Muse for years, and I knew her when I used to play music years ago, but we just decided we're, we're putting out an album, and so I'm playing for the first time, and we just put out our first single last week, and you know we're, we're just selling it on iTunes like anybody else, and we put it out there, and Neil retweets it. You know, and guess <laughs> you know, and you crash your site. And, and I know from when we were kids, just starting out. We used to, mm-hmm. you know, we've known each other forever. So it's, and that's the kind of thing that it's really going to take. You know, because with one retweet from Neil, got us exposed to so many people that you know that wouldn't have happened. And, you know, so that's like one of the things I'm always talking about, people, is like, you know, for God's sake, we're all in the same lifeboat. Stop fighting and just help each other. And that's one of the biggest messages with the creator-owned thing, too. You know, stop, you know, we're not, you know, I don't know what we're all competing for, you know. So, you know, I think we should all help each other. So tell yeah, me that's the, the that's name the of your song that's... real quick because everybody is listening to us on iTunes. <laughs> there yes. are lots of Oh, what's that? The song? Yes. What's the name of the oh, song? The the name of the song is called Pride, and it's by Monica Richards, and it's a featuring Steve Niles or something like that. You know, as a so search that up on iTunes and download it. Yeah, and that, that is your job, people that are listening to us right now. Yes. And next month, a fully illustrated book comes out um, uh, with everybody from Bernie Wrightson to Menton to Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, and that's what the CD is coming in for the oh. album in our effort to fight piracy. Because basically, that's what I wanted to title it was Pirate This. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but uh, yeah, so we're doing a little bit of everything. And that's why I love that Neil and Amanda are out there making their, you know, like you said, nobody would have booked that tour for them. So they just did it themselves. So I want just because I will am rapidly waiting for this, but tell everybody how they can get get a hold of your CD and book coming out. Um, honestly, they can just go to um, uh, monicarichards.com or search Monica Richards on iTunes, uh, and the song is called Pride. There you go. Well, awesome. Well, Steve, I think we have kept you long enough, and I really just <laughs> want to thank you so much for coming yes. on the show and talking to us today. I know you, you're like one of the busiest men in comics right now. And uh, do you have anything else that you would like to, to tell anybody, um, everybody that you're doing right now that you've got com- upcoming? I'm working. You know, I'm juggling so much stuff. I still can't announce one of the bigger things happening. Um <laughs> but they, they, yeah, you know, I'm I'm right now. My main focus is, you know, I'm doing all the new Criminal Macabre for Dark Horse. Um, Yay! Uh, Bernie Wrightson and I are doing a sequel to Frankenstein for IDW. Um, if you go online, uh, some of the pages got leaked. 
Um, and I saw, I saw, I saw them. them. <laughs> oh, oh. So beautiful. Now, yeah, yeah. That was almost a relief because I've been staring at these things for months. And <laughs> you can't tell anybody about it. I can't tell anybody, so I'm kind of almost glad they came out, but at the same time, I'm annoyed. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, and then I'm doing 30 days a night monthly again because I really, you know, uh, the same thing that made me do 30 days in the first place, which was just annoyance with vampires, is happening again. So. <laughs> Um, I just really just want to do a comic that's about vampires that don't want to kiss me, you know? I, uh, <laughs> and, and so uh, I, we're on, I think issue three is coming out, and I've already scripted up to six, and I'm going to just keep going. And I just, it's a new series. It's not a reboot. It's not anything. It's ten years later. Oh, wow. Um, Sweet. And, and, and everything that comes with it. Uh, so I'm having a blast with it, but it's, uh, it's pretty brutal stuff. I'm, I'm nice. happy to say. I just had to bring up that he Steve did a thing at Comic Con where if you brought in your copy of Twilight, he'd give you a copy of he'd let you trade in a copy of Thirty Days a Night. <laughs> Sparkles for Blood. It was yes. I thought that was brilliant. So fun. So fun. I kept thinking you were going to get mobbed by Twihards because they were all there in mass and they were not happy with you. (laughs) They weren't. I got a couple ugly emails, but I talked them down. You know, (laughs) you know, I told them that it was all in good fun and, you know, and, you know, and honestly, that's you know, like I, I, I say this all the time. I mean, Twilight just isn't for me. And, you know, my, my best hope of it, I have criticism, but my, my, biggest hope of that is it's a it's a gateway drug to bigger and better horror thank you again for coming on steve we'd love to have you back and uh and And when when jeff's on tell him i'm working on it okay (laughs) (laughs) we will i kind of heard a little about that i'm like oh tell him i'm working on it (laughs) awesome well thank you again steve and uh when you get that um super secret project going you'll have to come back on and tell us about it all right. I sure will. Awesome. Thanks, okay, man. Good night. Thanks, Steve. Good night. Bye. 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 True. I mean, I, I love, uh, that's what happens when you get like geeks all together. We just ramble forever. Um, but once again, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we, uh, Keep keep uh, reading Steve's stuff. He's great. He's one of the best voices out there right now in the world of horror comics. And, um, you know. Right on iTunes. Yeah, go, Pride on iTunes. Check it out. Don't forget that next week, uh, Remains is going to be on Killer. And we want to support that because I think Killer's going to do good movies that they make and not, you know, Sharktopus versus Mega, you know. Mega Vag or whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mega Vag. Ah, yeah, there you go. There, But, um, but thank you again for li- listening to the show. And next week, um, uh, I have I gotten some good uh, responses so far, so we may be doing a classic comedy special next Yay. week. So um, stay tuned. Thank you for listening, and have a good night, everybody. Bye.